Ladies and gentlemen, you're here for this week's episode of Humor and Mistakes with me, McNeil, here on 103.5 FM. Each week, we have a guest on our show to discuss mistakes, mishaps, and missteps that they made throughout life. This week, I'm here with Tim Totorai. Tim is a speaker, coach, chief human resources officer who is passionate about slashing bureaucracy and rethinking old thinking. Tim is also the author of 10 books, including The Introvert's Guide to Job Hunting, and he's been quoted in several publications such as Fast Company, Forbes, The Huffington Post, as well as profiled in the book Magnificent Leadership. That was a mouthful. How are you doing, Tim? I'm doing great. Great to be here. Thank you for thank you for coming. Uh, you've accomplished a lot. <laughs> hey, just excited to be around. <laughs> uh, so, tell me a little bit about yourself. Like, um, if, if we were on an airport, we were on an airplane, and we were just getting to know each other for our hour long flight. What would you say? Yeah, I guess a classic elevator speech is is that I help really busy, talented professionals with their careers and try to help them achieve their career goals. Have you always done that? No, no, it's been a it's been a ride. This is a I'll say new, but it's a a good fifteen years in the making. New, but I, I didn't always uh, start out in in training and coaching and and teaching and that sort of thing. I actually started my career in sales of all things. I was uh, selling a variety of different things, but the craziest of which was nuclear fuel, if you can believe that. Uh, and I heard all the the uh, glow in the dark jokes, man. So yeah. no glow in the dark jokes. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me see. Radiation. You, you have all your hair, so that. Yeah, no, that's good news. And this is all real, as far as I know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you you got started in sales. Tell me how you got there. Like, tell me about who you were as a kid. Were you a jokester? Yeah, I was. I was a bit of the class clown. I did a little bit of, of fooling around and. and um, you know, the, the school thing was always good. I was always pretty studious, but, um, you know, then I got to going to, going to college and making that decision, which is always a tough decision if you're going to go or, or not, or were you going to go right into work? And so I ended up doing both. Um, I wasn't really into the, the idea of going full time and, and getting that mountain of debt that sometimes people have. Oh, um, you telling me, man. <laughs> I know that's a big thing, right? <laughs> Five months until mine is gone. Oh, oh yeah, no good. So I ended up going to night school. I went, um, uh, to night school it took me about eight years to get through it and during that course I had um, over 20 jobs 20 crazy different jobs before I settled down into the sales thing so officially. You, just, you just bounced around yeah I just bounced around try to learn as much as you can usually I had two and three jobs at, at the time to kind of make things you know you live in New York so I grew up in, in New York so uh, that, that is, is not a cheap environment to be in and then you're paying for, for school at the same time and you, you got to hustle man you got to make it happen <laughs> What was your favorite out of all 20? Uh, I, I tell you, there were so many learnings and different ones, but I, you worked in the classic you know, deli and restaurants. And the thing about those, it was I got fired from almost all of them. That's the, that's the problem is that you settle on these things. And I think I went from being a, a waiter and I'd be the waiter that would forget your spoon when I gave you soup. And so then I, I went and was... Uh, uh, busboy and, and dishwasher and cook and but I couldn't cook anything so it would be you know, <laughs> just kind of going from one thing to the other uh, until you kind of find your passion but what, what was interesting is throughout this whole time um, I had great mentors and and one of them was a martial art teacher and so you know as you go through the ranks part of the the deal with uh, martial arts is that you teach as you learn and I just love that I think I was probably a better teacher than I was a student 
And so as I got older and, and went through uh, college, I ended up just teaching on the side. So all through college and grad school, I ended up just teaching karate. And that, you know, helped a little bit um, paying the bills, but it was also just found, found the joy of what you really like to do. Do you have a certain skill that you learned that you still use? Like for me, I was a bagger back in the day, like at Food Line. So every now and then I'm like, let me show you how good I can ring up your groceries. And I get just and I'll ring up my groceries really fast and self checkout. <laughs> so for, for me, I think it, it was efficiency because you had to get so many things done in such a short time that now I'm nutty when it comes to efficiency. So I'm the guy on a coffee line that is reorganizing the the way that they're putting the coffee together and and you know so i've had that situation where i've traveled for work now and i I went to a coffee shop and they had it set up wrong and as soon as i went down there on day one i was aggravated on day two i started scheming and on day three i went down there and just reorganized their whole little setup so that it (laughs) flow and uh they they weren't you know too happy with me but at least i had some peace of mind in making that happen yeah I respect. I've gotten the evil eye from telling someone how to bag better. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're like, listen, I can do this, man. You don't understand. I was doing it back in the day. <laughs> uh, so I feel like karate. What, what, what did you learn? What, what was your martial arts? It, it was Japanese karate. Yeah. Okay. Did you ever have to use it in New York? Like a, a mugger mugged the wrong person? You know, I have that really baby face that just says, please pick on me and rob me. So yeah, a couple <laughs> of times. And, and uh, you know, luckily... Uh, you're able to get out of those those situations um, in in an easy way, but um. <laughs> what do you do? Do you tell them like, like do you give them the, that warning like, hey, my feet are lethal weapons? No, it usually so it's funny like that when those situations happen, they happen in an instant. So you know everything you see on TV is all fake. Somebody grabs you, and as soon as they put their hands on you, you, you know that something needs to happen, and 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 you just take care of that situation. They they wrong the they robbed the wrong person that day. Well, yeah, it's you you need to because it's a dangerous world out there. I think when I was a kid, you know, you did always be the talk about oh we're gonna duke it out behind the school, and you know it would be crazy if someone brought a switchblade. And and now, I mean, it's maybe it was always that dangerous. We didn't know about it. We we're just sheltered or whatever. But uh, now I don't think you have the the luxury of the time that to do that. I think someone puts their hands on you, and and all of a sudden you need to. You need to just take that out of the equation, especially when you got a you know family and kids, and you got to be around tomorrow. No, I agree. People escalate way faster than they did back in the day, man. Like I was in a, a not proud to say this, but a college brawl, and then one of the dudes just brought out a knife, and the whole we were like, "Wait a minute, time out!" Like all of us are just fighting with fists. Like, why do you have a knife in your hand? <laughs> let's settle down and be unruly in a rational manner. Come yeah, on, yeah like let's. Yeah, <laughs> there are rules to this, man. Yeah, you look back and you think all the stupid things you did, and you're still walking around. You know, exactly. You're lucky, you're lucky, you know. <laughs> um. So you you worked your jobs, and then you eventually became a salesman. How did that happen? Uh, randomly, I was working um, one of my crazy jobs. This was like a, I think it was a gas station. And, and you know, doing a night shift and trying to pick up some extra money, and I would talk to everybody who came in because I knew, you know, you get a college degree, that's great, but it's a nice piece of paper. What are you going to do? You got to make some connections. And so, um, I had been doing some writings, doing some freelancing, uh, in addition to teaching. And there was a guy who came in, had a small company, and he was talking to me about his uh, company, and he was looking for somebody to do a couple of stories for him. Came in, actually took that that role. He took a crazy, just on ridiculous chance uh, uh, on me, and ended up uh, working for him for a few years. And then, what do you mean stories? So he, in addition to um, you know, he was selling product, but he had a newsletter that was associated with that product, and so he would put out. Um, a newsletter and I would write part of that newsletter. And so that was an entryway. Once you get in, you sort of weasel your way into, well, I could write this for you, but I could research it for you too. And yeah, maybe I could sell some stuff for you too. And how about I learn this? And 
um, you know, that, that sort of mentality lets you climb up and really in any endeavor if you, if you make it happen for yourself. How did you learn those skills, like to be that much of a hustler, to talk to people? Necessity, dude. I mean, when you, you're, you're kind of on your own, you need to make ends meet. You'll, you'll make it happen. You'll figure it out. And you, you'll figure, okay, well, uh, you start doing the math really quick. You say, I can get uh, job one, job two, job three. But if I'm still, you know, got that hunger, you're still not making ends meet. You say, well, how do I get more creative about this? And can I make something that's my own? And, you know, in the writing thing, you could charge that out. There's, you know, royalties and revenues and all that sort of thing that you can make happen for yourself. So necessity brought, like, made you have the skill set. Yeah, it, it. sometimes you, you look around and you go, at the time when you're going through it, the hard knocks are painful. Um, but then you look back and go, man, if I didn't have those, I, I don't know if I'd be the same cat that I am today. <laughs> okay. So it wasn't anything like no wisdom that you were taught as a kid or, or were you, I guess... What, what, you learned it out of necessity, but was there anything in your childhood that brought that on? Yeah, or? no, that's a great question. I, I think um, you know, there's always people around that whisper in your ears. I think the challenging thing as a kid, and, and even as an adult, is who do you listen to? Yeah. So, you know, growing up in, in my environment, there were a lot of um, negative voices. They would say, you know, go do this, take this shortcut, have this easy path. But there was a couple of really good voices that I was lucky to hear. A martial art teacher was one of them who consistently said, you know, here's the, here's the good path. Here, it's a harder path, um, but almost like a challenge. Are you man enough to do it? Yeah. You know, are you man enough to take it? And that that's what kind of led you down the right road is just listening to the right voices, even when it's hard to do. I think that's so important because um, you said necessity uh, breeds, you know, learning skills. And I watched that with my mother. And so it's, it's interesting that you say that because she had five kids, you know, by the time she was 22 like uh, none of us know our dads like the stereotypical back in the 90s you know african-american uh tale and i remember when i was seven like she had just kicked my stepdad out and she said justin i want to let you know we're poor but it's not going to always be this way and i watched herself put herself through nursing school and then like change our lives by the time i was 15 you know that's when she like worked her way up in the nursing world and like actually had money when buying Christmas presents. And I just remember like that switch changing, like from watching my mom, you know, listen to a dude that lied to her, you know, was cheating and all that to saying, I'm done. And so I think that's just very important. Like, it's amazing. I mean, that is amazing for, what a gift for a kid to see, yeah. uh, you know, somebody who's so strong that they can go and take that on and really change the lives yeah. of other people because of that example. That's fantastic. Yeah. I feel sorry for my sister sometimes because they didn't see it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, I think it was one of the most life-changing things that I ever saw. Yeah, it's, it's amazing when somebody points you in the right direction. I mean, you have to take it on. You have to listen to it and take the advice. But you know, when somebody does it and then, and I believe that sort of karma that you have to then pay that back a bit Yeah. and you know, how um, do you spend your time kind of coaching others and helping others when you can and, and pointing them in the right direction. And if you could do that, um, you know, things come full circle. Uh, it's always the, the thing when you, it's something's magical about that. When you give, you ultimately become the recipient of that, that action because you just you get stronger for it, you know? It's a very weird thing. (laughs) (laughs) Do you like when you see the difference after you coach someone, like after they start accomplishing some of their goals? Oh, it's it's amazing because it's it's um, it's really it was always there, 
but you've helped them uncover it. And I think that's that's a little bit of a nuance between a coach and a mentor. So, uh, you know, a mentor would be somebody who is giving you a specific knowledge about an endeavor. So if you wanted to be a, an HR uh, officer, you wanted to be an HR rep, I can kind of give you content around how to do that. A coach is, is somebody who, you know, pulls greatness from within you, but is not content specific. So you might be chasing something specific and, and you know, a doctor, lawyer, whatever you, you're looking to do and help you help you manage that. And in, in either of those cases, man, when people, that light bulb goes off and people really get it, it is the best feeling in the world. So let's talk about your transition from sales to coaching. How did you decide that's what you want to do? Yeah, so uh, it came about through um, teaching. So as I was going through school, one of the jobs I mentioned that I always had was, was teaching. So we had a, a deal. Um, my karate instructor was amazing and it was a woman by the way and she was phenomenal um, and she knew that sometimes you, you couldn't make the, the payment to, to actually have lessons and so a lot of times she gave it on the arm um, and it actually was more than more than once or twice right yeah. and so we had this unspoken thing that once I you know went through the ranks and started teaching that I would do the same and so there was a bit of an obligation to kind of always uh, teach but it's funny, like a good sensei does, I think she knew that that was something that I would always want to do. And um, that just became like a mission for me to kind of continue that. So where that changed from a career wise is I found that nugget of I love to teach, love to coach. And I said, how can I build this into a profession? And so I started to look from sales and doing sales into, well, how can I you know, leverage that and begin to teach, coach, train? And so the way I did is I started selling training product. And it was basically this whole concept of transferable skills. I took what I was good at, took it into a different venue, and then slowly switched. So where instead of selling, now it was teaching and writing and taking all the skills that I had accomplished and, and just turning that into a new career. And that was a, that light <laughs> transition. So sales is based off commission. Uh, it, did that help you with starting your own business because you had to work to... Because there's no, there's not, it's not certain. Like a lot of jobs on the 15th and the 30th, you get a set amount of money. Do yeah. you think sales helped with that? Like you starting your own business? It, it does. I mean, but it, it's, uh, you know, I think some people feel a lot of times you have to go all in on something. And there's so much opportunity right now that you can go um, thoughtfully in. So you could have a, a job. And so what I've always, what I always did was construct jobs where there was some sort of stability where you could pay your rent and, and you know, have, have something to eat and that sort of jazz. Um, but then what's the extra? So the extra came either through, you know, selling or, um, you know, later on just having a, a business that kind of provided your mad money and your craziness. And Ooh. so you can do both and it still be uh, okay. Okay. So, so it's, it's easier to start a business if your stomach's not growling. Yeah. I mean, you know, people say there's always that, that romantic notion of I'm going to quit everything and go off. And you hear those great stories of success about somebody who gave everything up and started. What you don't hear is the, you know, many, many, many other stories of somebody who gave it up and went back because they didn't have a thoughtful plan of how to do it. And so I'm just um, much more logical in approach. I think it, it's when you grow up in that, that hungry type of environment, man, you you don't like to be poor. That's hard. It's not fun. You don't want to go back to that. And so you you make your moves in a calculated way. You know, you make you try to be thoughtful about your moves. That's uh, so I had a comedian at a festival. 
I was telling him I was in tech, and I was like, man, sometimes I just want to quit and just do comedy full time. He's like, don't you do that. Mm-hmm. He's like, don't do that. He's like, I can name you more co- comedians that quit because they couldn't go get a beer after work. Yeah. You know, then made it that way and just being living in their car. It's like, just keep doing what you're doing and do it on the side. Yeah, it's, it's funny. There's two schools, schools of thought with success. I mean, there's that whole, you know, start a business, raise money, do all of that. And, and that's okay for some folks, but it's such a huge risk and, and so much pressure. And then there's a side hustle concept where, you know, you have your day gig, you do it well, and it can actually be a huge successful career. But then on the side, you have something that you're really passionate about and you build slowly. And if it you know, at some point when the time is right, you switch and the transition goes and that's wonderful. And if not, not, that's okay. You still got your, you know, your fun thing you do, but, um, you know, your most important thing is you take care of your family and, and make sure that that's all working. And that's how you started your business, yeah, your coaching absolutely. business. So let's talk about some of the mistakes that you made along the way. Cause you're a businessman. I'm sure at some <laughs> point <laughs> you made a mistake. Yeah, yeah, I think so. The the big macro mistake that I made early on was going too broad in in everything that I did. I think when you're interested in a lot of things, you'll chase a lot of rabbits, and it's really hard to brand yourself when you do that. So you know, even in the writing component, I've written ten different books, and that sounds great, except it's like a maniac wrote them. I have you know four total fiction novels, and then I, I wrote. Uh, a self-defense book, and I wrote a strategic planning book, and two job books, and two joke books under a pen name. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. It yeah. doesn't make any sense, but they were passion projects. And so, not that, that that's necessarily a mistake, but I think it could have been much more focused had I picked a lane and really focused on that lane, um, because then you create a brand. Because I think, you know, ultimately when you leave the room, somebody wants to go. Um, what they say about you is like, oh, that he's that guy, or you know, that's his focus, because. You know, the mind share with everything else going on is, is hard to recognize. What do you think you've had, you would have had more fun with? Definitely the, the uh, fiction stuff is really uh, awesome to do. It's fun. It's, it's, well, I'll rephrase it. It's, it's fun to have done. <laughs> Doing it is miserable, right? Um, you know, so that's fantastic. But the, the nonfiction stuff, I think, is, is actually helps more people. So the, the things that I do on the, now the job side, I'm starting to pick that lane because it helps more folks. And, and it is interesting for me to do. Do you draw your own illustrations? I said, like, the cover of the book is like a, <laughs> a, a goofy guy looking, you know, like he's stressed out or. Oh, this was there. There was one that was a book. Uh, um, yeah, wait, it was like a cartoon character? Yeah, like a No, cart- I actually got somebody who was good at that, and okay. they, they did that, because I, I can't draw a straight line with a ruler. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you just piece everything together, like you got your artist, you found your publisher. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, I've chased the, those, those rabbits, so I get people that are, and I think that works in business too, I find folks who are really good at what they do, um, and just take your ego out of it, so I love an editor because they will just rip through everything that you do and you thank them for doing it, you know? And then, you know, the, the person who can put it together in the various formats and, you know, the guys who do the covers, all of that, you, you can't survive without, you know, great greatness around you. How do you do that? And I mean, take your ego out of it because it's something that you've written, you care about it. And I know from personal perspective, like when I have another comic critique my material, sometimes it hurts. <laughs> it, it hurts it hurts when you're super close to it um you know the, the the interesting thing with writing especially uh, long work is that you're you're so sick of it by the time you're done because you've gone spent uh, nine months to a year writing it and then you put it away and you've worked on another project you came back and edited it you did all of this work 
and then you're handing it to somebody and there's enough distance there that you're totally cool with just doing it. And then when they, even when they're shorter, they're doing you a favor yeah. because they're, um, you're asking them for a reason. You know, they, they're going to be good. And also it's your choice. You don't have to listen to them. <laughs> you know, you know, you know I, I don't, I, I can ask you for your opinion. Doesn't mean I have to take your opinion. You know what I mean? Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Like, still dig, I still think that joke is funny. Yeah, exactly. I would say it anyway. And then get and it's like, oh no, exactly. man. It's like terrible. Everyone told me not to make that joke. They told me it was too soon. <laughs> Only now do I see <laughs> You know, oh yeah. I, ha- I had one of those recently. Uh, I told a Madden joke and it was like, Everyone's like, nope, too soon, uh-huh. too soon. <laughs> hey, that you get your you get your battle scars. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> when you when you look at the crowd and everyone groans, you're like, yep. Oh, everyone man. told me that was way too soon for that. But it, I tell you that that stand up stuff is tough, man. It's yeah. uh, I I actually tried my hand. That's one of the crazy jobs that I had way back when, and this was late '80s, early '90s. Um, and you learn so much by just getting on stage, just you and a mic and freaking out. Yeah. Um, but boy, that's that's the toughest <laughs> gig in the world to do. Well, you do TED talks now. You, yeah. You, you stand up in front of people and express your opinion. That that was that was hard. I mean, I think you know that was I wasn't really prepared at, 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 to the level um, of that. But I think the difference with the, the TED talk that I did was um, you have such a, a, a format. So you have ten minutes. In my case, it was a ten minute talk, and you focus. So you really like hone down your message because you know that it's one shot. There's no notes. You are um, really focused on that particular message, and there's no script. They just go. Um, I think the the joy of um, doing what you do and kind of doing the the uh, is that you have more flexibility. There's uh, moments of improv in there. There's you know you can you get your your set down and be perfect with it, but then you can go off script and have that flexibility. And this uh, they're like, no, I don't think so. So, <laughs> <laughs> so did you see? everything you've accomplished when you were first starting out like could you envision this not in a million years man no way i think um looking back now it's a great story so when i you know if i walk through my resume or tell my career story it uh it makes for a delightful tale but you got to also understand i'm a writer right so i can't mess with that um but I, but i think uh for, uh for for me i didn't really get started in earnest on a career my my current career until i was 30. And so, you know, there was a lot of mistakes and misses in, in, along the way, and I think you learn from those. And now that I'm in, in the seat of being an, an HR professional where I, I recruit a lot of folks, I'm really interested in that. I want to know not only what people have done in their jobs and what successes they've had, but I'm also interested in the why, like why they made uh, one move versus the other and what they learned about those transitions. That is usually a hallmark of somebody who really has their stuff wired and, and can be a good employee. So you think it's more of their mental state? Like maybe they worked a job they didn't like, but they are very self-aware of why they didn't like it. Or maybe a job didn't work out, but they understand their shortcomings. Would you prefer that? Yeah, I want to I know from folks what they've learned along the way. And so the, the way that I look at it is very practically. So you pick a, a job, whatever job it is. So let, let's say you're an administrative assistant and that's your role. Um, what you have to realize is that any profession that you have there are thousands of people that have that same job description. So in the case of the administrative assistant, that's your, that's your job, and you would expect to see my responsibilities are A, B, and C. Fantastic. You can't differentiate yourself with that. What I'm interested in is what are the things that you did in that role that set you apart from every other administrative assistant or finance person or HR person or whatever your profession is 
that you know make you different. And so the way I break it down for people is very simple. I look at uh, easy to remember. I call it a car statement. It's a challenging situation that you face, the action that you took, and the results that you achieved. And if you could break it down and tell me in your job, I did this, this, and this. That's your sales. That that would make you look better than everybody else. And so that's for the job. And then as far as why you took that job and what you learned in the next job, that's the story. That's the conversation. Because, you know, the resume gets you in the door, but the discussion that you have with somebody in an interview, that's what gets you the job. And that's that's so different. So you got to have both parts tight. Okay. So I, um, I, I read a few of the short stories from a Two Minutes Too Late. And one thing that I talked to you about this earlier is that it was labeled fiction, but there was a lot of truths in there that seemed like nonfiction. And one of the things that stuck out to me was this quote. It's a little long, but it was in your prologue. Looking back, I'm amazed at how much of my youth was spent in an apathetic, egocentric days. Sure, I did things, but mostly I just thought about doing things. Someday when everything was just so. It never happened, of course. There was always a monkey in the wrench of life preventing me from making real that which I saw so clearly in my mind's eye. And so I waited as my introverted childhood was slowly and completely encapsulated by fruitless daydreams. I never fought the bully. I never even raised my voice. Adolescence was easier, I guess, but only because I knew the game. As a bumbling wealth of impotent romance, I never once acted on the yearnings in my heart. I practiced lines I never tried, wrote songs I never sang, and gazed endlessly into the mirror that could do nothing more than serve a bitter slice of truth. Um, So that seemed like it it was very real. It seemed like you were saying that there was a lot of things that you didn't do that you wanted to do. Yeah, it's funny. So, so that that collection of stories uh, spanned things I've wrote over a period of like ten years, and then I put it together into a, into a book, and only actually wrote the beginning and the end at the end of that uh, compilation and putting the book together. So, it's funny because I don't think you can ever write fiction without putting a little bit of yourself in there. Um, but those that's one of those areas where you were trying to uh, uh, put together the spirit of the the book and so you know w- when you read the stories there's a lot of like oh I would have I would have tweaked this or made this choice or I'm chasing this girl and I should have said this and I didn't and and boy that would have been different had I done that you know um, but but that's always challenging and it is it's it's how would you edit your own life you know? <laughs> yeah. how do you not beat yourself up for those paths not taking taken? You do. As a, as a younger man, you absolutely do. And you wish that you would learn the lesson not to uh, sooner. And, and that's the classic thing, what you would tell your younger self um, is to kind of let it go, have your frozen moment, you know, kind of like <laughs> chill out, you know. Um, but but you, you don't because obviously at your, when you're younger, you're raw and you're, it's all fresh and new. It's the first time you experienced it where you don't realize, oh, you're going to come through the other side so much better. So, you know, the examples of all of the the romantic stuff the the, the yearnings of your 20s and chasing you know d- different uh, uh relationships and failing at them and all of those learnings well you don't realize at the time but you know somewhere down the line in your story that's going to lead you to your wife and the most you know amazing person in the world and then you look up one day and you go man i got a family <laughs> how did that happen this is amazing yeah. and you'd go through all that stuff you know five times to get that you know 
do you do you find yourself as you get older listening to that voice right so for example there were times like i i uh this resonated with me because there were times where like i should have done this but there was a voice in my head deep down that was like take that path that you are scared to take so now i find myself listening to that quiet voice more is is that what you think growing up is is listening to yourself more i I think so and i think you you can get there sooner if you have the right people around you so you know again like you said you had a great example with your mom yeah um had you not had that example it may take you 15 plus years if ever to even notice the voice whispering right so i think with with kids the best thing that we can do is try to whisper that positive voice to say yeah you know not everything you think is going to be right but give yourself the benefit of the doubt and and take that that chance you know um it's funny i, I just uh, put out um uh, an article on linkedin around 13 things that guys need to hear right because there's so many things i think it's great there's so many things for for women about leadership and this and that but there's very few um kind of mentoring roles where, where actually men get sort of this same deal it's like hey you guys got to start paying attention and, and think about this and you know there's a few of them but um i think listening to your to yourself is, a, is an important thing yeah you know i think i think that's really important uh especially the guy part uh for example one thing i tell young guys is if you see someone just go up and talk to them like even if you like romantically even if it doesn't work out, even if like they say, no, at least you tried. Cause I, I remember standing on the wall for like the first 21 years of my life. Like I would see someone like, I want to ask her out. I would just stand there. Yeah. And I just think just going up and letting guys know it's okay to, to hear that. No. It's uh, funny. It, it's I have a, um, a friend of mine who actually coaches a lot of speakers and he talks about um, th- this concept that everything that you feel, is all internally most people don't see it you know you, you, it's it's all this inter- I, I don't i'm not cool enough i'm not good enough all that self-doubt whispering stuff the other person doesn't even see that going on and they're just wondering why you're being a dope and standing on the wall <laughs> man you know get out because you're never going to be this good looking you're never going to be this much in shape you're you're have this passion of youth go go forth and make it happen man okay you know what's what is one of these times when you wish you had made a step and you didn't or took a chance and you didn't yeah, I think it was, uh, you know, in, it's funny, it's hard to say that now because I think in the, in the personal side, everything kind of played out the way that I want. So, I, it, you know, had, had you asked me, you know, eight years ago, it might have been, oh, geez, I wish I would have pursued that um, relationship. But it's a funny, it's a funny thing that I don't know if you've ever, ever had this experience where you go back to an ex yeah. And within an hour and a half, you're like, oh, that's why we broke up. <laughs> I, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Oh, geez, I had forgotten that you were crazy yeah. and, and insane. So, you know, sometimes we put that, that roses uh, colored glasses of, of history on. Um, but I think, you know, um, it, business, I think, you know, starting sooner would have been good because you can always wait. You could always say, you know, I need a little bit more money in the bank or I need a little bit more security or, you know, if I just get this, then I'll be happy. Um, or, and then I can kind of uh, take this risk. I think what's important for folks to realize is just be you know, thoughtful around how much is enough. So I, I do think that there's an era of starting when you have nothing um, and taking that huge risk because then, you know, especially if you have responsibilities, you could be on the outs. Um, but it's also good to, to not wait forever, man. So what is the balance? Um, 
the balance is personal, right? I mean, yeah. it, it comes up with, um, you know, what's right for you. So it depends on, on what your responsibilities are. If you're, um, it, I left, you can be broke at any level, right? There are rich, broke people walking around all over the place. And there are folks that, um, you know, are just starting out and, and trying to make ends meet who are actually going to do it, do it well and do it, do it soon. So, you know, I think it's personal. So if you are single and you don't, you're not tied down and you can pay your rent and you can get, make things happen. Yeah, you can you can do that and make it make a shot. But if you've got uh, family obligations or, or whatever, you know, you might want to think about, you know, you got to take care of your own first. That's the yeah. most important. Hey, kids, I can't feed you. I got to go tell jokes. Exactly. I mean, like, OK, dude, that's, you know, who, where are we being selfish now? You know, OK, so a question for you. Why did you used to wake up at 347 every day? It is the craziest thing. I, I you know, I don't know. It's one of those unknown things, but it would be. Um, you know, a lot of stress going on in life and just a lot of, um, a lot of angst, you know, at that point. And I was always, I, I think it was the switch between being a night owl and you probably know from like, you know, doing sets at night and you, whatever kind of time you could get. Um, and then, you know, getting home and just being full of like, oh, I can't buzz and I'm buzzing, I'm buzzing, try to go to sleep, wake back up. Um, to then being a morning person. Now I'm like that old guy at McDonald's getting up at five o'clock in the morning <laughs> sipping with a sippy cup of coffee. You know? <laughs> it's harder and harder, man, the older you get. Uh, tell me about this quote. That's life. Things happen, mostly bad, and you adjust. Trouble is, even when you roll with the punches, you're still you're still getting hit. Sometimes brave is just stupid on steroids. Oh, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is funny. So there's a wear and tear that comes with life. Um, I, I think that it happens physically. Um, I, I, I always say that I wish somebody would tell you when you're 20 that you're going to feel it when you're 40. And even if you're smart, even if you, you know, like I say, roll with the punches, you, you do still get that wear and tear. So make sure that you're chasing the right thing. Um, you don't want to have fruitless in endeavors. Um, I'm a fan of quitting quick on things so test something out if it doesn't work walk away um, and try the next thing and and don't think of that as a failure don't think that of that as a negative thing think of it as as positive man i just it's an experiment life is an experiment i tried this i moved on i did the next thing and that's okay um because yeah you're gonna get you're gonna get tagged man you're gonna get tagged <laughs> as you go yeah i had a guy on named wafik who told me like once he realizes something is not part of his life's journey he doesn't want it to be part of his life journey is out he doesn't question it yeah, it's got to go. Uh, so you were going to be a Secret Service agent. <laughs> yeah, I was actually. Um, so it was it was a brilliant experience. I mean, these guys are no joke. I went um, between the sales gig and between um, going into HR. Uh, I was kind of at that point where I was trying to figure out what I was doing. I was just graduating from an MBA program and I had a martial art background and I took the tests. And for whatever reason, I had that. Uh, mentality. It was sort of that, that scene from Men in Black at first see where they're all kind of you know sitting around some military guys and yeah. Will Smith and it was like uh, you know who, who doesn't belong here right um, but for, for whatever reason I just fit the profile really really well and went through um, the testing process which was phenomenal and I will tell you one thing I learned from that is uh, lie detectors work. So you can, you know, all of the things that they tell you in the movies, uh, they, no, no. So they will put you, um, last bit of interviewing after two years of stuff, put you in a, in a jail cell, 
hook you up to a lie detector, leave the room, ask you questions over a mic, and they're asking you questions like, uh, we have number one to 10, uh, pick your number. And then they say, no, no, no. And then they'll, they'll get you and they'll get you five times. And they'll say, okay, now we're gonna talk about things you care about. <laughs> and so it was cool. Um, the only reason I didn't go uh, and, and pursue that career is I had a fiance at the time who was uh, said, we, we won't be happening if that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> Secret service sounds so cool. Like you wearing a all black suit, just walking around like a badass. <laughs> I'd say those those guys are, and and frankly now that I look at it, again, I was kind of uh, upset about it at the time, but I think now looking back with the wisdom of it, I probably wouldn't have been um, as there's probably a tweak in that profile that I wouldn't have fit because those guys are phenomenal, yeah. uh, guys and girls I should say that that are just amazing, um, and and you know boy to even be considered in that rank is is uh, incredible. You want to that means you're you're one of the top people in the country, like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so everything happens for a reason. Why do you hate that phrase? I think it's an excuse. I think people put that out there and, and they um, will say, oh, "I didn't. This didn't happen for me." And you know, it was a reason, and there was some plan or that sort of jazz. And I'm like, "Well, yeah, it happened. The reason was you were just lazy. You didn't. You didn't work." And um, you know, I I think there's that element. And I don't want to step on anybody's you know views of, of uh, the hereafter and all that jazz, but I. I I think that you can control your destiny. So if you really want to pursue something, you can make it happen. Now, talent will wrinkle that for you a bit. Um, you know, I might want to say, I really want to play basketball. And, and they go, well, <laughs> sorry, you're, you're short and have no talent. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's not going to happen. But, you know, I, I do think people give up on themselves too quickly and use that as an excuse. Uh, and that drives me crazy. I agree with that. I think it's a balance, right? And I think... For I always tell people, what is the harm of telling people don't make excuses, right? Like there, there's no harm in it. Um, whereas I think the other, it's very easy to get into a self-defeating attitude. So you you may come from a, a, a dad who's abusive or a mom who is you know addicted to substances, right? And you have every excuse in the world. But what is the benefit of telling someone that they all that and they have an excuse? Yeah, and I think people just need to rephrase that. You don't have an excuse. You have a story. Yeah. And you get to rewrite your story because, you know, you could look at, and that's kind of actually one of the reasons I wanted to do that, that TED Talk because I think people get categorized too quickly and they're put into boxes where, you know, I, I don't believe in any of that. I think everybody is an individual and everybody has a story. And so, uh, you know, one of my quotes there was, I think, um, you know, you've seen my picture, but you haven't seen my movie. I think we judge each other by pictures and by the outside where we haven't seen, you know, the, the movie that we've gone through in life. And so just because you had a story where the beginning was set in a horrible scene and, you know, your parents were tough and you had a, okay, what are you going to do with editing the rest of the story? Are you going to replay that same few frames over and over again until you die? Or are you going to adjust that story? And that's what you need to do. You may need help along the way and that's cool, but get with the program. You know, stand up, brother. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and I think it's so beneficial because if you tell someone, hey, you can do this, you can do it, you can do it, that helps their life so much better than, hey, here are all the excuses you can make for not accomplishing anything. Yeah, and, and you know, even even with the, I, I do think people need perspective. So I, I, the one thing I will agree to is that, you know, if you've never seen what good looks like, it's really hard to, to conceive of that and make that up. So, you know, in, in my neighborhood, I used to joke, I said, oh, you know, my friends were cops or criminals. 
And that was the career path that you knew. I mean, it was like you you went into, you know, one of those jobs. My, my, my brother's a cop. My brother brother's a fireman. I mean, you know, I won't talk about the other ones, but, you know, <laughs> you, know you can see the trend, right? Yeah. But once you have people around you that open up different perspectives and you get to see that, that is life-changing because then you could say, okay, I have a different path. You've given me a map, a roadmap to get there. Now it's up to me to walk, but I, I, I at least I know. And, and I think some people, if they don't see it, that's really hard and that's not fair. I agree with that. Uh, so this woman named Lindsay Cooper was my freshman year of college, and I was I ended up being an RA and SGA and doing all these leadership positions in college. Uh, but the only reason why is because one day uh, a few of my friends got into an accident on the hall, and they were fine. But I drove them to the uh, I drove them to the hospital. I stayed with them all night, and so the leader of the dorm, the the AD, had came and we sat down and had a talk, and she was just like. I've seen you around the hall. You're really good at talking to people. I think you should apply for these leadership positions. And I was like, no, not Justin <laughs> McNeil from North Carolina that was just a class clown and only reasons here because his grandma made him. And she was like, no, I'm serious. And just her like, and then she recommended me for the job. And I was like, what are you doing? And the whole time I was like, why is this woman doing this? Like, what does she see? And I ended up being like, like going into the RA Hall of Fame, which is, it's like, sounds cheesy, but like after four years, like you're one of the best who've been here over the past four years. And it was just because she saw something that I swear to this day, I don't know what she saw in that freshman guy. Isn't that amazing? It's, yeah. Those, those little moments are things that just change the trajectory of your whole life, your whole career. It's like you look at yourself a little bit differently in the mirror because somebody saw you first. Yeah. And that's awesome. Yeah, I still can't explain it to this day what she saw, but <laughs> it's, it's just interesting to think about that. So I have this part that I like to call unsolicited advice, All right. where I uh, just have scoured the internet for questions of people who are stuck in life and may have a question. Um, so one of the questions I have for you is, what is the worst advice people still give? Passionately, this drives me crazy, but when people say fake it till you make it, Fake it till you make it. It makes me, it makes me insane because uh, you're not faking uh, and fooling anybody. Um, I think you, the example that I use is you can throw a black belt on a novice and as soon as you step in the ring, everybody knows who you are. Um, it is it is the most ridiculous thing that, that people can do is to try to act as if and fake it um, because you're going to fall and you're going to fall hard. I'd rather have people just kind of embrace what they're, where they are and build from that. Um, yeah, that's so harmful. It drives me nuts. <laughs> so you'd rather someone be like, listen, I'm only halfway qualified for this job. Here's what I need to learn. Here's what I don't know. Yeah, I, I actually, one of the best techniques um, that I've seen in a, in a, a resume situation, in an interview situation, is to put the job description, what I want, on there and then put what you've done um, and kind of give me a side by side and if there's a gap that's okay because a little uh, secret is that I may be asking for a wish list of what I want and the few things that you're discounting yourself or faking um, I, I might that might be second tier for me so show me you know what you can do and show me then what the the other things that I haven't thought of yet um, and I would always want the the person who's willing to you know work hard learn uh, drive because you know, that is the excitement that you have from folks, man. I love that. Y'all trust me from experience. You don't ever want to put something down on your resume that you actually don't know how to do. Because yeah. I've been in an interview. <laughs> I didn't know Python when I first graduated college and I put it down. 
I love snakes. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah. I, they're, they're delightful. He's like, how would you do this in Python? I was like, oh, you're going to actually ask that? <laughs> Let me and, tell you about this language I actually do know. And I speak French. <laughs> <laughs> I've done this before. <laughs> oh, yeah. It doesn't uh, work well. Um, if you want to change your life, where, where would you start? Oh, with your attitude, man, I think. Um, you know, just actions. Um, I put down exactly very specific. People start with very broad goals a lot of times. I want to change my life. I want to do this. Okay, specifically, what don't you like? Um, the, the basic coaching premise is people want to uh, go from where they are to where they want or need to be, and there's a gap there. You have to fill in that gap. And so be very directive. Is it something about your you know, physical health that you want to change? Is it about something about your relationships, about your finances? But be as specific as you can. And once you're that specific, you can put together a plan. So you want to change, get specific, and then change your attitude about it. Okay. So if you wanted to be Tim, where would you tell someone to start? <laughs> <laughs> Go to a psychiatrist. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, how would the world would, how, what would make the world a better place? If people stop whining, I think if people stopped um, making excuses and um, took a step back and realized how good they have it, I think. Um, and, and and I didn't always feel this way, and I've been I've been uh, full disclosure been um, guilty of those same issues in in my life. Uh, one of the great things that you get from traveling outside of this country is to realize how incredibly lucky we are. Um, even in our our worst circumstances, uh, there's a lot of good to be had a lot of hot opportunity to be had and i think um if you wake up in the morning and go man i'm lucky because and filled in the blank you'd be well on your way so what do you do when you're filling down and pretty much that i think well two things um first <laughs> one's going to sound ridiculous um if i'm really in the dumps i'll i will shadow box i will uh get moving because sometimes the the uh, state of being physically um still uh, will get you to be mentally still and you'll, you'll sort of be in a depressed mode. Uh, you start moving, you start uh, working out, uh, that gets you jived. Um, but then, um, so that's number one. Number two, being grateful. So kind of listing out the stuff that you're so thankful for and everybody has that. Um, and then beyond that, get creative, man. Then you start like putting pen to paper and then that, that'll get you jazzed, man. So do you have a, do you still have a, like a, did you plan your life out in years or and do you still do that? Like what you want to accomplish? Um, I, I did to a certain point, And now I'm like, I, I have a three-year-old daughter. So now everything is kind of wrapped up in that magic. And so my um, plans uh, are revolving around, okay, a little bit of that and what we're planning for with her and, and how we want to uh, raise her and that sort of thing. And that's just super exciting. <laughs> uh, was it all worth it? Yeah, I think it was because... Um, you know, you look back and you say, you know, boy, maybe it would have been easier starting a family sooner. Um, but that's not the plan, right? Because you would have been with the, maybe the, the wrong person. You wouldn't have had the same wonderful kiddo. Um, so I think everything that leads up to this is fantastic. And I'm just excited for what's the next chapter, you know. <laughs> All right. One more question for you. Um, what do you think the best way to live a happy and successful life is? And, and what's your motto? <laughs> well, be grateful, I think, is, is probably the motto. Um, and if, you're, if you do that, you'll, you'll feel um, successful, you'll feel gratitude, you'll be okay. Um, but I think the other thing is letting go of stuff. 
So in your life, there's going to be people that will screw you over or situations that will ha uh, have you know bad things happen to you. The quicker you can let those giant stones down, um, man, you'll just feel so much lighter. You'll be able to, to rock and roll. And that that's, you know, everything else, the stuff that we think is hard is easy, right? The jobs, the money, the, you know, career stuff, all that nonsense is easy. The hard stuff is the connections that you have with people and, and those memories, you know, N nobody keeps um, <laughs> pictures of stuff in their photo album, right? Yeah. You know, you keep pictures of, of people and adventures and keep that on your mind. And the memories. Yeah. So uh, one last thing I want to talk about with your writing is uh, there was this, there was another thing that stood out to me was called the chat. And it's about a, a guy who's feeling pretty down. And he's like, he says he had inspiration. Then he lost it for a little. He, he's feeling down. He's lost it for a little bit. And there's an old guy who's like, I still am motivated and, and things like that. Um, was that coming from personal experience? Like, have you ever felt that point when you were you were motivated, like you were in your business and your things were happy and then something went wrong and you were just overly negative? Yeah, absolutely. So it's funny that that, that story is really old. So I'm kind of uh, drawing the memory. <laughs> but um, uh, w the catalyst for that is, is actually a conversation between uh, myself and my father. He passed away pretty young. Um, and I was like envisioning, okay, what would that be? What would that be like? And, you know, it was that his persona in that was a bit fictional because he was a totally different guy in, yeah. in life. But I was saying, man, I said, if you're if you're stuck and you're down, wouldn't it be great to have this kind of older, wise person that you could talk to and shake you out of that? And, you know, I think you know, maybe we're, we're a bit similar in this is if you don't have that person in your life, you don't have that voice. What do you do? You know, if, if you're not lucky enough to have then somebody real. I just made them up. I just sat there and said, man, I want I want that old wise guy who can you know, help me out. I'm just going to write him and then I'll be able to read that and, and be excited. Yeah. My old wise person that I fake my conversation with is my great grandpa. And it's always really mean because he's always like, because just to give you a little backstory. Uh, so he was a sharecropper who like saved up enough money to buy his own farm mm -hmm. and like ended up leaving now worth over a million dollars to his four kids. Um, and so like whenever I have a conversation with him, he's like, are you serious? <laughs> do, do, do you realize I grew up, I was born in like 1880. <laughs> do you know what times were like then? Oh my God. <laughs> like, are you, are, are you really up? You're heartbroken and you don't want to go to work. <laughs> so, so that is brilliant. Right. So I think about my, my, my grandfather uh, was in world war two yeah. and it's you can't complain to about your life to somebody who went through the depression in World War II. You just sound like a putt. <laughs> like you have no problems compared to these. It, like what we had, you know, tomato soup with no tomatoes. What, what you, get out of here! <laughs> I saved my pennies so I could buy my own farm. Like, <laughs> and you're gonna complain about your iPhone? <laughs> exactly. Like if you don't shut up and go to work. <laughs> It's a, it, actually, you said, it, what would be better in the world, right? So if you just listen to, like, the voice of your grandparents in your head when you start complaining, it's, yeah. it's a, they would just smack you. Exactly. Just stop it. Stop. Be a, you know, be a man. Come exactly. On. <laughs> what do you, do you know how much racism was on back then? And <laughs> I still bought my own farm. And I, if you don't be quiet, boy. <laughs> like, I, so all those conversations leave with me like, all right, I got, all right I'll go to work, Grandpa. That's awesome. That yeah. is awesome. Um, 
So you brought a book with you. Uh, what's the book that you brought with so you? So this is, we're going to see if we can give, give a couple of these away, but it was the Introvert's Guide to Job Hunting. Um, so it's a three-part book. We do an assessment for folks to kind of figure out what you want to do with your, your life and your career. And then once you finish that, a guide on how to put together a rock star resume. And then once you finish with that, how do you actually rock an interview? Uh, and so that's a three-part book that we have okay and we'll be giving those away yeah man i appreciate it so we've come to the part that i love everybody doing <laughs> i uh, i want to hear your motivational speech okay so let me know when you're ready for the motivational music to ready begin to, ready to roll man all right all right so as i look upon the class of 2018 it occurs to me that you're all clueless, completely clueless. You know nothing of life, the complexities of existence, or what it means to succeed, fail in the noble pursuits of love, art, career, and charity. You know nothing, or at least as close to nothing as a human can get without soiling themselves on a regular basis. Despite all you've been through to get here, you're still brand spanking new. And this, my friends, is an exciting perspective to have. For once you lose your naivete, it is gone forever. So embrace your newness. Be bold. Be daring. Charge unafraid into that big, cold, ugly world and steady yourself to hug and punch it out, often simultaneously. Take a stand. Make your case. Ask tough questions and demand better answers. And if someone advises you to act as if or fake it till you make it, punch them directly in the neck bone for that is the worst possible advice one can give. Newness is not a weakness. It's a wondrous, quickly vanishing strength that lets you approach the complexities of the world with fresh eyes. Someday you'll have the wisdom of experience, but for now, leverage the unbridled optimism of youth. Make your mark. Make a difference. And whatever you choose to pursue, make the most of every day. The ride is fun, but it's over far too quick. Hold on tight. I have to say that's you just ranked number one in the motivational speeches. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else who's going to come up here, Tim just set the bar very high. <laughs> fun times, man. Fun times. Oh, yeah, you came prepared. I liked it. That was I did a little research. <laughs> <laughs> do you do motivational speeches often, or you know, I do. It's always part of the the speeches that you give. You want to leave folks with a bit of a jazz, but uh, absolutely, yeah. Okay, <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> So, so what do you have coming up? So a new book uh, coming out. So that's um, what I've been working on for a while, and it kind of fits the trend. So trying to learn from the, the past. So it's called The HR Guide to Getting and Crushing the Job of Your Dreams. So that should be coming out in a month or so. Um, and that was a bit of a long process, but fun, fun. <laughs> and, uh, you know, ha happy to do that. And hopefully the TED Talk will be out soon. We're waiting for the video production to be uh, finished, but that should be up and live on YouTube uh, pretty, pretty soon. Okay. And, and you have your websites. You have your two websites. Yep. Yep. Uh, Plotline Leadership is the business site. And then timtoderai.com is the, the book site that uh, have all of that, that stuff on. Well, th thank you for coming. We really appreciate that you've been on the show. I feel like you've learned a lot. Uh, one thing I want to tell the people is can you talk about your disciplined writing process? I read about that. Oh, but. yeah. It's it's um, sort of a nerd. I, I get up pretty early in the morning. Uh, so get up for work. Uh, and I use it as almost like a job. So up from six to 12 Saturdays and Sundays, and I just work it. And then once you're done, you get a little gym time, you get the writing done, and then you can go on with your day. And uh, it doesn't disrupt the family time too much. So 
when did you develop that like did you realize you had to get stuff done yeah once it was you know, I, I actually going through school going through college and and having just the work and the night stuff the weekends was the only time you get to do anything extra and so you were either you know hustling to make money and that just became hell i already do that anyway you might as well just kind of continue in that that process so um don't watch a lot of sports <laughs> unfortunately can't play golf but i do that you know okay well thank you for coming to the show and uh that's it Dude, fantastic appreciate it y'all this was another episode of humor and mistakes with me mcneil here on 103.5 fm wcom chapel hill carborough's community radio station thanks again to tim Todorai. And remember, everybody, people make mistakes, but it's okay. If you like what we're doing out here, then subscribe to us on iTunes. Thanks. Have a great week.